This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler, hang your cloak in a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Carlos Kajina is the technical producer. Ryan White is the live stream producer. Canadian constitutional lawyer Rocco Galati is here for the full two hours. Mr. Galati filed a 191-page lawsuit back in July against multiple levels of government here in Canada over their response to the coronavirus pandemic. The lawsuit seeks several official declarations from the courts that pandemic measures are neither scientific nor medically based, that they are extreme, irrational, and unwarranted, and that they breach multiple sections of our Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Before we get to that, just take a moment to log on to strangeplanet.ca, register for Inner Sanctum, my free monthly newsletter, strangeplanet.ca, that's your portal to this radio program, The Conspiracy Show, the YouTube channel, my podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited, The Strange Planet Merch Shop, and more, strangeplanet.ca. And while you're there, under tonight's show information, you'll see a, um, a link where you can click and you'll see the PDF of the claim of notice in the Ontario Superior Court. And we'll uh, be discussing that, as I say, for the next full two hours. There are very few politicians willing to speak out against the pandemic lockdown here in Canada. Some doctors have spoken out, but you've seen what's happened to them. They've been ostracized, ridiculed, their opinions suppressed by the mainstream media. Where are the various civil liberty organizations across the country in all this? There is an attorney, however, who is standing up against what many of us feel is an overreach on the part of the federal, provincial, and municipal governments. Rocco Galati is a constitutional lawyer and founder of the Constitutional Rights Center, Inc. Galati graduated from McGill University in 1984 with a Bachelor of Arts and then graduated from Osgood Hall Law School in 1987. In 2011, Mr. Galati brought a case against the Canadian government to restore the Bank of Canada as a lender to the government. The case was brought on behalf of the Committee on Monetary and Economic Reform 
They argued that the Bank of Canada is mandated to provide debt-free financing for public projects undertaken by federal, provincial, and municipal governments. Uh, We spoke to him at that time, and now here we have Rocco Galati back on the program again. Rocco, welcome. How are you? I'm okay. How are you, Richard? Thanks for having me on. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, first, let's uh, let's get to some very basic questions here. Just explain what the notice of claim is in this case. What is the notice? Well, the statement of claim, as you mentioned, is 191 pages. Basically, uh, in a nutshell, it seeks, as you say, declaratory relief against the federal, provincial, and municipal government uh, in Toronto. And that, first of all, the Prime Minister Trudeau and Premier Ford have effectively dispensed with Parliament and under and are ruling under the pretense of royal prerogative, something that was abolished after the English Civil War in 1688. So what they're doing is they're acting as if they were King Charles by basically uh, having a round table of an inner circle and d- uh, dishing out the law, as it were. That That kind of executive order and mandate has now been declared unconstitutional in Romania, in, in, in Austria, and in four U.S. states. But that really would beg the question on the COVID measures. So we are actually also seeking the, uh, declarations from the court that the measures are neither scientific nor medically based, that they're extreme, unwarranted, and overreach and that they breach our sections 2, 7, 8, 9, and 15 charter rights, that is, right to freedom of conscience, belief, association, assembly, the very light, uh, breach of the right to life, liberty, and security of the person, uh, the right against unreasonable search and seizure, mainly seizure of the, the arbitrary, illogical, and insane ways that they have decided what businesses are going to close and what businesses stay open, the right against arbitrary detention by stopping people and searching and seizing private information they have no right to, and Section 15 Charter Breach, which is the equality provision in our Constitution, and that mostly affects the disabled both physically and neurologically and especially children with special needs and, of course, the elderly, who uh, three groups in particular are bearing the brunt of this vicious, what I say without batting an eye, nor apology, is a global crime against humanity. Uh, The poor, the disabled, as I said, both physically and neurologically, especially children with special needs, and the elderly, who constitute 82% of all the deaths purportedly attributed to COVID have been uh, the elderly in these long-term care facilities. When these reptilian politicians basically put in these laws, they did so without any regard whatsoever as to how the half a million neurologically and physically disabled children of this province, for instance, in Ontario, are going to negotiate social distancing, isolation, masking. How does it, you know, one of the plaintiffs in my, in our statement of claim is a 24-year-old severely autistic man who's about six foot two who has the, 
who has the uh, intellectual capacity of a four-year-old, how does he understand isolation, social distancing, and lockdown? How does he understand that he can't go rock climbing or playing in the park with his friends as he did? See, the government took no regard to, to accommodating these types of victims, as with the poor. You know, uh, initially the World Food Bank said that as many as 130 million people could be on the brink of starvation by December, by next month worldwide, and now they've upped that estimate to 10% of the population. Well, 10% of the population globally is 700 million people. Now, we know since June that 10,000 additional children a month have been starving to death from the COVID measures. When you do the actual numbers, Richard, and we've crunched the numbers uh, not to to a scalpel level, but, you know, for every person who they say has died of the COVID virus, we estimate 12 to 14 have died from the measures themselves. I want to circle back, uh, Rocco, to some of these points, but I just want to get to some other basic questions regarding the actual statement of claim. Right. Uh, who are the, specifically who are the defendants named? The defendants are Justin Trudeau, Doug Ford, John Tory, Teresa Tam, the federal health uh, uh, chief official, Williams, uh, the education minister in in Ontario, the health minister in Ontario. The uh, Dr. Davila, the municipal uh, health uh, officer, and all and any John and Jane, those who are assisting in this travesty, who have direct input into the decisions that are made. All right, and the plaintiffs. I see on the uh, on the, uh, the the statement of claim, the plaintiffs uh, are Vaccine Choice Canada. Is that right? Yeah, there's there's eight plaintiffs. There's Vaccine Choice Canada and eight individual plaintiffs. Seven of those plaintiffs have had their name redacted in the statement of claim that they have posted on the Vaccine Choice Canada website. One person, and that's because of the vile, nasty messages and threats uh, these plaintiffs uh, would like to avoid. The other one who, who's got a thicker skin Dr. Denny Rancourt, who is a leading expert on masking and who wrote a paper in April of this year uh, entitled Masks Don't Work, wherein he canvassed the entire scientific uh, literature on masking. By scientific, I mean random controlled studies, which are the only recognizable studies that are peer-reviewed and not anecdotal or observational studies. All the studies that are random controlled studies have concluded over the last two and a half decades that masks do not keep out an airborne virus. And in fact, all the studies also indicate the masks cause grave physical and psychological harm, especially to children. Uh, what damages so are being... Is also a plaintiff in this. Okay. Yes, I see his name. It was not redacted. Um, what damages are being sought? Well, from the government, we are not. We haven't sought damages because uh, there's a new law that was conveniently put in last fall by the government of Ontario that if you seek damages, monetary damages from the government or government actors, you have to first get the permission of the court 
what we call a leave application, which can, in itself can take a year to a year and a half. So the only damages that have been sought are against the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, CBC, for $11 million. Uh, they're not a government actor, but we, we, we plead that because they're a state-funded broadcasting agency that is broadcasting under a statutory national mandate, they have a duty, both in negligence and in fiduciary duty to Canadians, to fairly, objectively, and impartially report the news. We plead in the statement of claim, quote, that the CBC has been to the Trudeau government what Pravda was to the Soviet Union during the Cold War. They have been absolutely and unmitigatedly depraved in their censorship of any view, in their failure to interview anyone who's with expertise who is critical of the COVID measures. And, you know, it's not restricted to CBC. All the other media uh, uh, are executing the same offense. The thing is, with the private media, it's, it's, it's more problematic establishing a duty of care to the public. And, of course, the worst of the media who are absolutely fascist, forthright about censorship is the social media, YouTube, uh, uh, YouTube, Google, Facebook, Amazon, they have been absolutely criminal in their taking down of people who are Nobel Prize winners, em, you know, eminent experts in their field around the world, of them freezing the Great Clarington Declaration from people signing on to it by three leading experts in the world in their field. It's, absolute, it's absolutely incredible. You could not script this 20 years ago. Although have, the, uh, ha, have any of the defendants filed an answer? They should report. Have any of the, the defendants filed an answer, Rocco? Well, the timelines were frozen in Ontario between March 17th and September 14th. So their time for responding, which in, in these cases, normally it's 20 days, but in these types of cases, uh, it's routinely 45 to 60 days. So the time is coming up towards the end of November. They have come on board. I know the lawyers are on the other side, but they have not yet responded. And um, how is this case being funded, may I ask? Well, it's being uh, usually, you know, usually you can't ask, but it's being funded by uh, a combination of the, uh, the, the plaintiffs and uh, fundraising. Through fundraising, okay. Now, let me ask you about the uh, the emergency powers, uh, the, the Emergency Management and Civil Protection Act. Right. Uh, does that not override any you know any of these complaints? Basically, that they have they have granted the themselves the Emergency Management and Civil Protection Act powers. Well, two things to say to that, Richard. First of all, we seek a declaration from the court. The the prereq the prerequisite conditions under that act were not met to invoke it at all. Uh, there's preconditions you have to show. Uh, you have to show a viable emergency that's outside the norm. Uh, I won't I won't bore the audience with the, all the conditions that you have to show. But we say they were not met on the scientific and med- medical evidence. So in these types of cases, you know, you give a government the benefit of the doubt for the first month or two. And if you recall, the thing is, oh, we need these powers to flatten the curve two weeks, right? 
And right. right now it's turned into a, military, a dictatorship, and not just in Canada, but especially in places like Australia and New Zealand. And they float around the same measures around the world. So certainly at this point, that act is not met, not on any of the evidence. I mean, look, they talk about there's a pornography publication every day of cases. Let's break down what those cases come down to. First of all, they have not isolated the virus. We've done freedom of information requests of uh, more than seven countries, including Canada, and they consistently come back saying that the, the, the SAR-CoV-2 virus has not yet been isolated or registered anywhere. Number one, the tests the tests that are being conducted are so-called PCR tests, uh, which the inventor, a Nobel Prize winner, made it very clear during the HIV uh, uh, outbreak that his machine, his invention, does not, does not test for viruses. What that thing tests for is uh, RNA strands, and they try to piece together a sequence so, for instance, if you had the flu shot last year, you will test positive under that test. What that machine does is amplify to a certain measure to get a glimpse of what, they're look, what they can see. Typically, they test at 18 to 20 cycles. The cycles are not augmentative. The cycles are exponential. So, Ontario is testing at 43 to 45 cycles. So at 43 to 45 cycles, virtually anyone you test is going to test positive. And this was confirmed by Fauci uh, consistently, who said, you know, once you get past 30 cycles, the tests are meaningless. They're all going to be false positive. Right. So it seems to me there are a number of things going on uh, with that test. Number one, you have false positives. And I've heard anywhere from 50 to 90 percent on the false positives. And then you have... Um, if someone has had the virus and their their T cells or their immune system has destroyed the virus, you still test the test w- the test will pick up the the remnants of that destroyed virus. Right. And then there is the viral load, which you were talking about, how it amplifies. So right. you would need I, I I don't know the numbers, but you would need millions of these viruses in your body in order to be symptomatic. Right. So even if you have very few, if you have a very low viral load, you're still going to test positive. Right. Is that correct? Yes. And so, so the real ratio, uh, the real indicator of whether or not we have a pandemic is, is even if you take them at their word, is not the cases, but the deaths vis-a-vis population. So, you know, the way they determine a COVID death, again, again our, our health uh, officials have said, is anywhere from 53 to 65%, uh, sorry, 54 to 63% inaccurate. Because if you get hit by a truck and are wheeled in, bleeding to death in a hospital and they test you, which they do, and you test positive for COVID, you're listed as a COVID death. If you're dying of cancer in your last days in palliative care and you've got COVID, you're listed as a COVID death. But let's take their numbers of face value at, 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 on their best scenario. And so the last time I looked in Canada, I guess three or four weeks ago, you had, you had 99 or 100 deaths in Canada. Well, on a population of 37 million, that is less than one quarter of 1%. It's 0.0024%. 
So less than one quarter of 1%. That is not a pandemic. What that is is a normal flu season for the last 15 years. The other thing that's insane about the, this script that they're playing out is they're, gonna, they're telling us on a schedule where this virus is going to be in 2021, 2022, 2025. I've ne- so first of all, I've never seen a virus hang around that long. And secondly, I ne- I've never seen a virus act in accordance with the government schedule. True enough. True enough. I just wanted to we're, we're coming up on a break here. Um, I just want to clarify something regarding whether or not SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, has been isolated or not, because there's some conflicting information there. Uh, Sunnybrook, I think back in March, Sunnybrook, McMaster, you have team, yeah, a was, team. There was one. In they said that. Yeah, but if you read the article, what they they spotted were purported theoretic, theoretic RNA strands from a corona. Nobody's actually isolated the virus. The title of the paper said virus isolated, but when you read the paper, you, you realize very quickly the virus was not isolated. So that's more bunk. Okay, so what does that mean then? When they, if, if we can say that the virus has not been isolated, what are, we, what are we actually saying then? Well, in order to isolate a virus, you have to do three things historically. And, you know, first you have to isolate it. Secondly, you have to purify it. And thirdly, to make sure you got the right one, you got the same thing, you got to reproduce it, replicate it. And then you take it and you inject it into animal, animals to test to see if it actually makes them sick the, the way that you think the virus actually makes humans sick. And that's why they have animal trials when they're trying to develop a vaccine for a virus. Those are the steps they take. The average virus, uh, the average vaccine takes, uh, what is it, 16... Uh, 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 12 to 15 years to develop. The quickest vaccine ever developed in the history of medicine was the measles, which took about four years. So now they're, they're getting a virus out here in months. What kind of a virus, a vac- what kind of a vaccine they're putting out in months? They've, by- they've bypassed uh, animal testing because too many of the animals are dying. And, and it, we, we know in at least three of the human testing, people died and they had to stop it. In Ukraine, soldiers died. In Korea last week, 40 people died, and they claim, oh, it's not from the vaccine. Well, then what's it from? That was a flu vaccine, was it not? Yeah, well, they're going along, yeah. Well, what do you think? Okay. What do you think this virus is? It's just an All right, flu virus. Rocco, got to take a time out. Stay put. We'll be back in a moment. Rocco Galati stays with us. Back with more on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Rocco Galati is here. He will be with us for the entire show. We will open up the phone lines in the second hour if you have questions or comments, and I'm sure you do. 416-360-0740. But again, just to keep your powder dry. We'll open up the phones in uh, just over a half an hour. 416-360-0740 and toll free from just about anywhere. one 740 4740 1-866-740-4740. Uh, here in Ontario, of course, we have uh, three COVID-19 hotspots that have reverted to a, a modified stage two. Uh, that was effective back in October 10th for uh, 28 days. So I guess they'll have to revisit that in about a week's time. 
And uh, here in uh, York region where I'm sitting, uh, we are also under a modified stage two. And uh, they, I believe, is the uh, regional council is to convene tomorrow uh, to discuss, uh, you know, how and when they will uh, well, they'll start to open things up. So the uh, the businesses that are being hurt now, restaurants and uh, uh, indoor gyms and and sporting uh, associations and so forth. Like, let's talk about the restaurants. Have have they approached you? Do they want in on this this uh, action as well? Well, a lot of individual businesses approach me, but the problem is people people are scattered and people you can't really do individual cases of this magnitude. People have to group together. Uh, you know, talking about businesses, Richard. You know, like people are afraid and fear. You know. Uh, uh, Threat of survival is the and resist and surviving is the strongest instinct we have, and what drives a threat of survival is fear generally, and fear will convince your population to do just about anything, you know, like I'd like to quote Dr. Sherry Tenpenny from Ohio, who tweeted uh, a few weeks ago and said. Uh, for all of those those of you who wondered how you would have reacted under the Nazi regime, now you have your answer. Because I ask, I ask people not to try to parse the science and the medicine or the law if they have a hard time with that. I ask them to apply what gets most people through life and their success and how they raise a family. Just apply your common sense to the politics and the policy that's been uh, applied by the governments. So six months ago, WHO, Theresa Tam, everybody was saying, no, no, masks are actually dangerous. They don't do anything for the virus, which is true. Now we've got a total reversal. We've got Theresa Tam saying you have, to ha- you, you have to wear a mask when you have sex, or better yet, masturbate till 2022. You know, if people can't wake up, when, when, when a, a health officer is talking that kind of insanity and switching inconsistent positions over the course of weeks, you know, uh, virtually on everything. The businesses, okay, so why are the businesses being closed? To, to prevent the spreading of the virus through social distancing. So let me get this straight. Your ma and pa shop gets closed down everywhere Yet the busy Walmarts in the busy malls sell everything that the ma and pa shop can't sell. Now, where is it easier to socially distance, at Walmart or Costco or any of the other corporate conglomerates or the ma and pa shop? I can't get shoes for my growing children, but I can get all the booze I want because that's an essential service. Does that make sense to you? It may if you're an alcoholic. (laughs) <laughs> right. No, there's very little uh, that, that, if you that realize makes sense. The liquor stores are owned by the government, and the government doesn't want to lose its revenue. It's got nothing to do about health and social distancing and transmitting the virus. All the major corporate criminals have doubled their net worth, literally doubled their net worth in seven months. We are shutting the, – the, this agenda has been shutting down independent businesses – 40,000 in B.C., over 220,000 in Toronto, while the big corporate conglomerates double their net worth. We are virtualizing the world. So we have 
Bill Gates and his Gavi who want to vaccinate 7 billion people. So if you vaccinate 7 billion people, that's 700 and about 70 billion per shot. So he wants four vaccines on the COVID. That would be $3 trillion. Because now they're telling you, oh, these vaccines are, lose their potency now after four months. Three months, four months. Right. Well, $3 trillion, Richard. The U.S. budget is between $4.5 and $5 trillion. If they dished out all the vaccines they want to dish out in a year on various things, that's $96 trillion. That's five times the U.S. national debt. We are talking about a transfer of wealth, not just through the vaccination program, but through the virtualization of our economy. So now we have Google Classrooms. We got Zoom courtrooms. Everybody's working from home. All this shit feeds into the IT industry. It's all the same people. So you're do getting you, your, Do you think that's what this is really all about, uh, Mr. Well, Galati, that this well, is yeah, a, well, a, a reset, there. that, that I, COVID, is being, COVID is being used as cover? As, I mean, as cover. It, the, Listen, I'm not saying it. Go read the World Economic... Uh, uh, World Economic uh, Foundation uh, report. Davos, Switzerland, right. Yeah, go read all of that. I'm not making it up. I'm reading it, and I'm putting it into my statement of claim for my clients. So everything we predicted in July, filed July 6th, you can't lie when it was filed, uh, at the time was being touted as conspiracy theory. Now it's understated old news, Okay. They're not even making any pretense about it. They're saying it outright, right? This, uh, the whole compulsory testing is about collecting and storing DNA. How do we know that? In England and other jurisdictions now, they've passed a law that when you get compulsory tested and it's going door to door by soldiers, they retain your fingerprints and your DNA under the guise of national security. What the hell does a virus have to do with your fingerprints? Excellent questions all. Law. Let me ask you. Passed that law. New Zealand passed that law. It's coming to you soon in Canada too. Right. Let me ask you. Uh, let me ask you why we are not seeing other um, groups or individuals joining this fight. So, for example, the Ontario Civil Liberties Association. Where are they? Where is the OCLA in all this? Well, I'll, I'll tell you that, that that's a good question. You you see, you see also, uh, you know, around the world, hundreds of thousands, literally hundreds of thousands of medical experts and doctors are balking. So in Holland, they've called for an inquiry into what they have labeled publicly as a fraudulent pandemic. In 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 in, uh, in Belgium. The nurses and doctors have sued the government for what they say is not a pandemic, but a normal flu. The nurses, 77,000 nurses have gone to court to say, we're not taking vaccines. If you want us to work, we're not taking vaccines. If we have to take vaccines, we're not working as nurses. You've got the, uh, the, the, the white brigade out there in the States, all these doctors who are being shut down and censored. You've got the uh, great... Clarington Declaration, on and on and on. You've got the, the, the doctors in Spain. You've got the doctors in Oklahoma suing the state government over these, what they call, bogus measures. I mean, at what point does the, 
the 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 defecating in your diaper and the uh, and the mantra of conspiracy theory really have to take a, a back seat to saying, well, do we need to answer this avalanche of world expertise? Can all these world experts be conspiracy theorists? This is ridiculous. And uh, one of the, one of the ridiculous- people I've been following. Sorry, Rocco. Uh, I just I wanted to ask you. We're coming up on a break here. I wanted to ask you. Uh, one of the people I've been following on Twitter is Dr. Colvinder Cower, uh, from Concerned Ontario Doctors, and she's been very vocal about this. Uh, her, her tweets have been absolutely um, magnificent, as far as I'm concerned. Have you been in touch with her or her group? I, I can't speak about her case because I actually represent her. Ah, okay. Okay. All right. Well, so I've 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 come on board as her legal counsel. And that's right, right? That's right. Everything she says was backed up by world experts. She didn't say anything that she didn't base on world experts and the uh, uh, peer-reviewed studies. And so all she was doing was asking questions, Richard. And she was she was hounded, and, and they're trying to scapegoat her, and they're not going to get away with it. You, I, I, you can be sure of that. They're not going to I get away. Right. I, I uh, also representing a doctor, Stephen Malthouse, out in BC, who who wrote a a a a, a letter to Bonnie Hendry asking questions, and now they're hauling him in front of the college for just asking questions. It's 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 scary. I've I've never seen anything like it. Let me uh yeah you have let me take a time McCarthyism ta- witch hunt. Ah, well, that was before my time. Okay. <laughs> a little before my time, anyway. We'll uh, we'll take a quick time out, come back, and uh, continue to discuss the uh, the notice of claim against various levels of government here in Canada for their uh, response to the COVID pandemic. Attorney Rocco Galati stays with us. Hope you'll join us as well at four one six three six zero zero seven forty. Toll free from out of town one eight six six seven forty four seven. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Rocco Galati stays with us. Uh, Rocco, I just want to clarify your your position on the virus itself. Um, I mean, we can talk about the you know the the overreach on the part of uh, governments and their response to it. But are you suggesting that the the virus, or what are you t- suggesting about the virus itself? Is it real? Is it is it uh, is it a fraud? What are your thoughts? Well, I can't have a thought of that until they isolate it. I have no clue. It's likely a, a seasonal flu virus. But I don't have the expertise, and the experts haven't figured it out. So, but hold on to that thought, right? But everybody imposing these militaristic fascistic laws pretends they have figured it out. Right? Right. We're talking about numbers and cases, and yet Trudeau and Ford absolutely refuse to disclose the nature of the medical advice they're getting and from whom. Now, how does that wash in a transparent constitutional democracy? And the reason they don't want to reveal who's giving them advice and what advice is that we have 
a deep, deep ocean of world experts who would look at that and give us a response. Right? They're making right. the red rabbit perpetually disappear in the hat. I mean, is that a Are democracy? You... you shut down parliament and you say, this is our advice and here's the, here's the, uh, Here's the uh, uh, actions we're taking, and we don't care who says otherwise, including the WHO and the CDC, who they claim to be following. The WHO has been very clear, lockdowns are a disaster. They're not working. So why do we insist on more vicious lockdowns? Not only is it irrational, they're urinating in the face of the citizens. Are you surprised, disappointed with the the opposition parties, not only in this province, but uh, across Canada? Uh, For example, federally, the conservative party seems to be, uh, you know, very intent on on investigating the whole We Charity scandal. But we don't see uh, Aaron O'Toole and the conservatives at the federal level really pushing back against uh, this. In in fact, if anything, they seem to be on on side. Aaron O'Toole, the new leader of the Conservative Party, was saying, we need to go into, you know, uh, war preparedness uh, with with this. Uh, You know, I don't don't think he would be handling this virus or this supposed pandemic any differently. What do you you think about the way that the opposition parties, mind you, there have been a couple of uh, independent MPPs here in Ontario, Belinda Carajalios and uh, Randy Hillier, well, they're not been, I think there are four now who have bought. They, they weren't independents. They're Ford's own MPPs. That's true. Until they were kicked out. Yes. Yeah. Kicked out for what? For asking questions? You know, it would appear so. Yeah. I mean, so there is no opposition, but there, there never really has been. You know, our political system are, are, is like an intramural, an intramural high school football, football league. It's blue, red and orange. Show me the, the policy or even philosophical differences between these three parties. Right? And quite frankly, what happens, a great, great, great Canadian politician, uh, an ex-client of mine, the Honorable Paul Hellyer, who's still alive, once told me that the problem with MPs is most of them don't know what they're talking about. And to show their ignorance, they just go along with the pack. Are they equipped? You think Doug Ford is equipped to deal with this pandemic? Do you think he has? It would appear not. It would appear not. Or Justin Trudeau have the intellectual acumen to actually assess and process the science and the medicine or even the law on this? No. So they walk around in their suits pretending they know it all because they're not listening to anything or anybody. They're serving other masters. They're not serving Canadian, Ontario or Canadian citizens. They're serving other masters and other agendas. I want to I want to ask you about uh, something that's been distributed widely. This was seen on the government of Canada's own procurement website, which is buyandsell.gc.ca. Uh, and it would appear based on that document uh, or that website, buyandsell.gc.ca, that the Fed's are seeking third-party service providers to construct and service quarantine facilities across the country. Now, what have you heard about this? Well, of course I've heard about it. I've seen the documents, and they're public documents, and I talked about them at uh, a speech I made at Dundas and uh, uh, Young Street at uh, Dundas Square on the 17th of October. The, the military has procured uh, obscene amounts of riot tear gas, 
the federal government's procuring internment facilities, and two more things that are not so not so uh, broadcast, but they're similar public tenders. The federal government is looking for crowd control officers for 2025, and they're looking. They advertised for 2030. They advertised for neighborhood drone surveillance officers. And reading between the lines, they plan to survey neighborhoods. I don't know how big they, 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 they are projecting them with drones. And they're going to have monitoring officers monitoring the activities of neighborhoods. And I asked Mr. Trudeau publicly at that speech, what do you got planned? Why are, the, why are these job postings already advertised? Crowd control, drone monitoring officers, really? For what? Yes. To chase the, the, uh, the, the riot control agent, I believe, was uh, 36,000 units of tear gas. Right. That could also uh, that could also be seen, or unless they've taken it down, I don't know, but that was up at buyandsell.gc.ca. Right. All right, uh, Rocco, we're heading into another break here. This was a short segment. We'll come back. Uh, one final segment before the top of the hour. Second hour, Rocco. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. All right, uh, welcome back. We have uh, temporarily lost the connection with the studio, and uh, I am now on the phone. So we'll try and reconnect with the studio and get me back on a, on a proper microphone. But uh, in the meantime, Rocco Galati stays with us. And um, uh, we were talking about these um, quarantine camps. So, I mean, I've read about I've read in the newspaper that they, uh, you know, people like Brian Lilly uh, from Sun uh, Sun News has said this is not true. It's not it's not happening. Um, how do you respond to people in the, in the news who say oh, this is just a silly conspiracy theory? Well, it's a government it's a government tendering bid for God's sakes. It's published on a, a government website calling for bids to build these things or house uh, or 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 or, or or, or provide the infrastructure for these internment facilities. John Tory had a, 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 a proud, gleeful press conference when Trudeau gave him $14 million six weeks ago to build what? An isolation center. Well, what the hell is that? Right. Now, these are uh, volunteer, voluntary uh, at the moment, people who can, who, who supposedly who cannot social distance if they have, let's say, someone who... That's a load of bullshit. They're not voluntary in New Zealand and Australia. Uh, Rocco Galati is uh, with us. And uh, give us the, uh, the website for, the, uh, for your organization, if you could, Rocco. Well, it's the Constitutional Rights Center, which is uh, Constitutional Rights, plural, and center is spelled the Canadian way, R-E, dot C-A, Constitutional Rights Center, dot C-A. Uh, I also announced on October 17th, I've, uh, I've hooked up, uh, I've hooked up uh, with a career journalist, uh, and uh, we're establishing uh, an alternative media uh, platform called uh, uh, Wholehearted Media. Uh, because it's clear to me, I just want to join the chorus, it's clear to me that social media 
and mainstream media have become corporatized in the Mussolini sense when Mussolini defined fascism as corporate rule, governance. He, he defined it as corporate governance. And so we're going to, uh, I'm, I'm in the midst of uh, trying to hook up a network of independent uh, media platforms that are, that are hooked up without the use of these major servers who can take you down anytime they want. And so I've hooked up with uh, 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 Rajwinder Kabli, who's a very intelligent, very capable, and very insightful uh, journalist and uh, brings a lot to the table. I don't know how much I bring to the table, but I, I'm, I'm completely fed up with, uh, with the, the BS that we're being... This to me is is one of the more frightening aspects of all this is the way that the 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 journalists in this country, the media, have basically uh, joined ranks with the government. It's become journalism by press release, by government press release. Right. And, and they have abdicated one of their fundamental responsibilities, which is to afflict the powerful. Right. And to, well, I to, call, to bring comfort I, to the afflicted. I call them graduates of the Joseph Goebbels School of Journalism at this point. Right? And But right. you can see how that happens, right, Richard? You know, Bill Gates is floating $20 million to, 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 to most medium-sized uh, 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 media. The Trudeau, uh, in addition, I mean, the federal government fully funds CBC, but when Trudeau came into power, he's floating four or $500 million to eat each of the private major media. So, I mean, they're right. bought off. They're completely bought off. And then you can see that even if you have some integrity as a journalist, you're afraid for your job. And this is why a lot of the Canadian doctors are not speaking up as opposed to American doctors where medicine in America is a business in the absence of universal health care. Doctors, if they lose their, their OHIP privilege or their billing privilege, are out of a job. And so it comes down to people not wanting to lose their comfort. Let me share something with you. You know, I'm a lawyer, right? And most of my friends who are lawyers, uh, virtually with the exception of one who's a co-director at the Constitutional Rights Center, have not read my statement of claim. And when I press them on it, first answer is typically, well, it's too long. I said, it's 191 pages, double-spaced. Have you never read a book? Right? And of course, they're offended by that comment. And then after a while, I realized, Richard, that they haven't read it because they know me as a lawyer. They know the kinds of cases I win, no matter how unlikely. And they know if I've drafted that statement of claim, there's going to be a lot of fact and reality in it. And you know what? They don't want to face that reality because they're okay with their privileged elite lifestyle. Has the, has the, uh, the Bar Association uh, tried to pressure you um, the bar, in, no. with regards to this case? No, no. To their credit, that may be coming, I don't know. I don't know how they could pressure me. I can prove. I mean, there's nothing in the statement of claim that doesn't come from the horse's mouth. You know, everything we plead comes out of the, the, the words of the, the World Economic Forum, the Gavi, Bill Gates himself. Right, and we're ple- we're pleading facts. We're ple- we're pleading scientific facts, medical facts, most of which are indisputable. You know, and the what only you- thing that's disputing them is the propaganda that's going out there. 
Let me ask you, uh, without getting you know too political here, with the U.S. election coming up, do you think that if President Trump uh, is reelected November the third or whenever they end up counting all these mail-in votes, let's say November the tenth or whatever, uh, that that will significantly change? Um, you know, if if COVID is being politicized and is being weaponized for whatever purpose, being used as cover, do you think that that a Trump election or a victory will change that at all? Well, it all depends. I mean, he himself stated that he may not be around. He hinted he may be assassinated. I don't know if you caught that a few months, a month and a half, two months ago. Yes, he was referring to Big Pharma uh, right. when well, he was lowering he, vaccine prices. Where he could could have been referring to any any segment of military-industrial complex. But at any rate, assuming he gets elected and 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 survives, uh, then he could be, you know, he could be he, he could be a factor that slows this down. But what is going to slow this insanity down in America, and not every country, but in America? In some parts of Canada, unfortunately, and I shudder to think at the eventuality, is the fact that Americans are armed. There are 4.4 million registered and organized militiamen in the States, and there's no way the Americans are going to put up with some of the, uh, some of the uh, suggestions that have been proposed. You know, when you got 20% of Americans, and now we're up to about 20% of Canadians, who are adamantly saying there is no way they're going to take a vaccine if it's mandatory because they have various concerns about the speed at which it's being developed and they've opened their eyes to what's going on. 20% of the American population is 70 million people. It's a lot of people with guns. What kind of response are you receiving from Canadians across the country? Virtually, virtually on my on my platforms, I have a YouTube channel, and on my website, literally, ninety nine point nine percent supportive. And tell me about the YouTube channel. How can people watch that? Well, they go on to my website, and I've I've only posted about eleven eleven uh, uh, of my own produced uh, uh, videos. But I have a media page that has dozens and dozens. Of videos from interviews and coverage of our case. So they go to the website and they can go to the media page. My media page also reproduces all my YouTube videos in the event that YouTube takes them down. So I have them stored in the hard drive. And again, that's constitutionalrightscenter.ca. Constitutional rights, plural, center, the Canadian spelling, C-E-N-T-R-E. Yeah, and my tw- and the Twitter handle, the Twitter handle, I'm the only social media I'm on is Twitter, and the Twitter handle for the center is at Rocco Galati Law, R O C C O G A L A T I Law, L A W. All right, Rocco, we're heading into another break. Top of the hour on the other side. You'll stay with us, and we'll open up the phone lines, questions, and comments. My name is Richard Serrett. Please stay with us. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. 
Thanks for inviting me into your home. Long haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed rec room with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker. Your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate in your cabin in the woods. Hello to everyone listening in on our flagship station, AM 740, 96.7 FM, Zoomer Radio here in Toronto. And hi to those of you tuning in on one of our affiliate stations across North America. Hi there, those of you streaming us live at zoomerradio.ca and on the Zoomer Radio app, a free download. Those of you streaming us on my YouTube channel, Strange Planet. However, and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. Constitutional lawyer Rocco Galati stays with us this hour as we continue to discuss the lawsuit he's brought forward, suing multiple levels of government for their response to the coronavirus lockdown. Uh, I, I, I'm not asking you, I, I guess, to, you know, to give away your entire strategy, obviously, but uh, I mean, what kinds of witnesses are you going to be calling once this 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 hearing begins? Well, I've got an endless line of expert witnesses that we we some of whom we cite in the statement of claim. You know, we cite over close to four dozen witnesses. I mean, I may not be able to procure them all, depending on their their availability. But we're gonna we're gonna be calling leading virologists, microbiologists, epidemiologists who say this is bunk, who say that this is, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the measures taken, uh, Richard, are astronomically extreme and are causing 12 times more death than they claim they're trying to prevent. It just makes no sense, right? And when, when less than one quarter of 1% of your population, you know, they've taken it. It used to be that the definition of a pandemic was when you lost about 7% of your population. Right. Okay? Right. We're at one quarter of 1%, which is below a bad flu season. 82% of whom are people over 70. Right. Well, you mentioned the flu. It's interesting. We're not getting a lot of flu numbers right now. Are they? Oh, no. Hold on. Sit down and grab your armchair. According to Health Canada, for the first time in the history of this friggin' planet, we didn't have a flu. In other words, they're rolling the flu statistics into COVID statistics. Exactly. And uh, what are we hearing in the U.S.? What is the CDC reporting regarding flu uh, cases? Do we know? The same, because they've had, they had, they claim 200, what, 270,000 people have died. Every, they, they've also said that those are way overstated. In 2018, 182,000 people died from the flu in the States. 182,000, and nobody batted an eye. Now, I know in the States, we've, we've heard a lot about how they are in the, the hospitals are, have been incentivized to, to report, to over-report COVID uh, cases. Because right. if they, in Canada, um, um, Yeah, how does that work in Canada? Because in the, in the U.S., uh, um, someone who is hospitalized under, I guess, Medicare, the hospital receives something like $4,000. Right. If it's a COVID case, they get basically three times that. If they're placed on a ventilator, the hospital receives thirty two thousand dollars. That's right. How would how does how does it work in Canada in terms of the hospitals being incentivized to report COVID? Well they get more money because they have to take all the special procedures to dispose of the body 
and everything, you know. So I don't, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's the same here. But you know, that's not that's not even the tip of the iceberg. The tip of the, um, sorry, that's not even the uh, the major the major offensive thing about it. It's how they calculate. Uh, it's how they characterize a COVID death. You know, the fact of the matter is that every year, including my mother a few years ago, an obscene number of elderly die in long-term care facilities, not because of the flu, but the shithole, rat-hole conditions in these places that are there mainly for profit. You had 200, 300 beds, no ventilation, right? Everything circulates like a sewer, all right? It's like being in a sewer. People die unnecessarily. And what has the government done year after year? Nothing. 55,000 beds in Canada in these long-term care facilities are owned by a federal pension plan. Wow, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, yeah. And so when they die, they don't have to pay out on their pension anymore, right? So, you know, Doug Ford talks about, oh, we've built one more facility. Yippee, frigging do. He's appointed Frank Morocco, Associate Chief Justice of the Ontario Superior Court, who I respect to the upteenth degree, to do yet another judicial inquiry. Well, what's Justice Morocco going to tell you that you don't know? You're running right. death chambers here. Right, right. We know that. Because uh, every year that many uh, elderly die in the long-term ter- care facilities. But with COVID, more of them died because they can't get out for a walk. They can't go to the garden. They're, they're prisoners in their own rooms. They're under house arrest in their own residence. It's obscene. It is absolutely obscene. The, the, the idea of someone in their 90s, uh, you know, not being able to see loved ones. There was uh, a case in the United States where this couple that have been married for 60 years, the husband is in long-term care, the wife is not, and they have not, they've been separated for a year. Right. Listen, um, Richard, they can't, yeah. when, when they visit, they can't do anything that's human. Listen, let me, let me just for one minute, di- not digress, but get to the rub of this these lockdown measures. These lockdown measures have been designed to systematically, through fear and, 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 and torture-like techniques, strip us of all our human attributes. They started with isolation, then social distancing, then masking, then don't hug your children, don't kiss your children or grandchildren. Now you can't have sex. You've got to masturbate. Now, are we serious? Right? And so, you know, as a constitutional lawyer, my job is no more complicated than defending our human attributes. When you talk about a Bill of Rights or a Charter of Rights, you're not talking about rights bestowed upon you by the state. Those codified rights are actually codified human attributes that are supposed to protect you against the state trying to remove, suppress, or abuse human attributes. So uh, the right to think, the right to believe, right? The right to express, the right to associate, the right to assemble, right? The right to be free from arbitrary detention and unlawful search and seizure and the right to be treated equally. Those are not rights. Those are 
human attributes that the Creator gave you. Even if you believe the Creator is no cosmically bigger than your own mother. The state didn't bestow those attributes on you. They can only remove them. You know? All right, let's, let's go to the phones, uh, Rocco. We have Bob joining us here in Toronto. Bob, welcome. Thanks, Richard. And Richard and Rocco, thank you very much for your courage. Uh, Two-part question. Uh, Rocco, who are the puppet masters? Could it be the Chinese Communist government? And Richard, for you, is this a spiritual battle? Uh, my, 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 my client's view, and it's in our statement of claim, this is being orchestrated by the international billionaire and corporate oligarchs through the WHO. There's no question. The World Economic Forum, the Gavi, and don't take my word for it. Read the latest World Economic Forum publications. We cite many in the statement of claim. They, through two McGill professors, and I was a McGill graduate. I want to, I'm going to be sending my degree back. They published an article about six weeks ago on, quote, how to make the human body um, an efficient information platform. They have volunteers where they've injected microchips to integrate with technology. We're, talking, we're not talking futuristic Borg scenarios. We're talking about present Borg scenarios. If you, if you ever watch Star Trek The Next Generation, they want to interface the human body with robotic technology inserted into your body. And the microchip vaccine is the first step. And don't, the- don't take my word for it. This is what they're advocating. They're publishing. I'm reading what the horse is saying. And, and the patent on that, Rocco, uh, if, if, if it... Zero six zero six zero six. That's what I've heard. Well, you know, they got to give it a number. But 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 you know what I'm saying. And now the the last publication from the World Economic Forum is quote eight predictions for 2030. Prediction number one. They got a 22 year old kid smiling says you will never own property, but you'll be happy. That's the World Economic Forum, and we right. lay it all out in July. Because it's at least 10 years old. This has been scripted. It was all scripted through the Rockefeller Foundation report that was leaked in May of 2010. And audaciously, they're, they're, they're flouting they're, they're, they're touting it. They're flouting it. And then they're in your face with it. Nothing goes back to normal until we have a vaccine. If I have to hear that mantra again, I'm going to need a year's supply of fucking gravel. Oh, oh, we have to watch the language. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, if you can uh, bleep it out. make a note of it. Yes, bleep that out, please. Um, let me go to the uh, the YouTube chat. And uh, a question from D Silver asks, what will be done with the DNA collected during COVID testing? What will the DNA, what will be done with the DNA collected during COVID testing, Rocco? Do you know? Well, I have I have a suspicion, but uh, well, it's going to be banked. It's going to be banked, and they have your DNA. And you know, if 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 if, if they microchip you, which they're looking to do, uh, Teresa Tam ten years ago in a Canadian uh, film board documentary was talking. She's on camera. We plead this. We transcribe what she says. That in such a pandemic like we're going through now. We're going to microchip and we're going to have bracelets and anybody who hasn't had their required vaccine is going to be put in an internment camp until they agree to have their vaccine. 
We're not making this up. She says it on camera 10 years ago. And there she is, parachuted from the WHO. She's still working and getting money from the WHO while she's our chief medical officer, right? Uh, uh, doing this. And, you know, one of the things that's not uh, off the table is a slow, methodical culling of the population through uh, hidden sterilization agents in the vaccines, which they've done in Israel, and the Israeli Supreme Court uh, came down hard on the Israeli government for literally wiping out the Falasha tribe that came in the 70s through vaccines. The Roma in Europe, uh, you know, the so-called, uh, you know, I don't like to use the term because I represented the Roma and set up the Roma Community Center, what people referred to in a racist fashion as the gypsies, have been sterilized since Hitler through vaccines. So this is not futuristic stuff. It's happened. It's happening. And they're, they're proposing it. Uh, I, I neglected to mention uh, to answer Bob's question earlier of his two-parter uh, whether I think this is spiritual warfare. Absolutely, I do. Uh, this is a textbook case of spiritual warfare. I mean, we're always uh, battling against principalities, not against flesh and bone. Um, now we have YY asking: Is there a connection between the rollout of five G technologies and the lockdowns? Yes, and we know what it is again. You know, Richard, I'm a lawyer. I, I rely on evidence, okay? Where I see 5G, where I see 5G being rolled out is from the representations of world leaders. And, and so we know from the Dutch security minister two weeks ago, she confirmed that 5G is going to be used for crowd control. So if they had... So, the way 5G can be, is going to be used for crowd control is through the social apps on your cell phone and or the microchips in your body. 5G can be turned up to send out a signal that actually will burn your skin. So if you've got a cell phone or you've been microchipped and you go out to a protest, they can zap you with 5G. 5G, more importantly, for the first time gives governments the bandwidth capacity to survey and track every human being on the planet. Now, the inter intermediary mechanism is the cell phone. I don't have a cell. I have a. I don't have any internet or data on any cell phone. I have a walkie-talkie to talk to my daughter. I have never owned a cell phone that can be tracked through internet or data. I saw this coming 18 years ago when I was doing intelligence cases. Right. So the 5G is out there to survey you, and in case you get into, into uh, a protest, to disperse crowd control. And they can survey you. If you don't isolate yourself, you can't go out because they'll track you down. All right. Let's uh, go to Skip, checking in from Connecticut, a loyal listener. Skip, good morning. Uh, Welcome. How are you doing? Uh, Rocco, yeah, I understand your frustration and being upset. I mean, if you look at Bill Gates, for example, I have a second thing I want to bring up, but look at the Corbett Report podcast. He did a four-part series on him, about four hours. Yeah. His primary business for Bill Gates had been abortion and infanticide was uh, – really where his primary focus was and sterilization through various means. For example, right. in India, he left 
500 million uh, of 500,000 children sterilized. Now, what that does it, uh, by paralyzing them, basically, by giving massive doses. Well, we, 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 plead, we plead in the statement of claim the atrocities in India and Africa and by, by his vaccines. And now even the WHO has conceded several weeks ago that the only polio cases in Africa are from Bill Gates' vaccines. That's the, the World Health Organization itself admitted. We have not had a naturally occurring polio case since 1979. All polio cases since 1979 have been caused by the polio vaccine itself. Skip, thank you for the question uh, or the comment. So what do we do at this point? Uh, you know, we can't advocate for unlawful uh, activity here from the citizenry, but but how do we how do we push back uh, in order for them to get a clear message that that uh, you know enough is enough? Well, the way we do it is by by protest and legal action. I got to tell you, Richard, our legal action has already had an impact in Ontario. October third, because we were bringing in a masking injunction, which we still will with respect to the schools. October third, Doug Ford put in new province-wide regulations that have made basically masking voluntary. What the new regulations say, and it's regulation 364-20 under sections two sub four and six, is that you can claim an exemption, not just on medical grounds, but on any ground protected by the Human Rights Code, which includes creed, belief. And once you invoke an exemption going into an establishment, under subsection 6 of section 2 of the regulation, no one is allowed to ask you any particulars, nor are you required to provide any evidence of your exemption. So virtually speaking, it is now a voluntary system in that, in, whereby you invoke your exemption and that's the end of the story. So lawsuits, uh, protests, uh, and simply asserting your rights. Now, there are a lot of people, the news hadn't spread that what the new law is, asserting your rights, ignoring. If a store owner says you can't come in, you go in. If you get ticketed, you fight it. The law's on your side. You're saying that that mask wearing in Ontario is now voluntary and that this, this, Effectively, this regulation... Effectively, if you invoke an exemption, because nobody's allowed to, to probe what your exemption is. So if you don't believe in masks, that's, that's a matter of creed under the Human Rights Code, and it's protected as an exemption under, under Section 2, Sub 4, Sub K of the regulation, and under Section 2, Sub 6, when you invoke an exemption, there, no one is allowed to probe or, or request evidence to prove your exemption. So it's, it's virtually voluntary. Has this been tested yet? No, but the Has new, it been a test case? If you go to any store now, the new, the new, uh, what do you call them, uh, city, city posters they put up say you have to mask unless you have an exemption, which includes under the Human Rights Code, and you do not have to provide evidence of that exemption. It's very clear. They're posting this now in all the stores. Interesting. And yet this is not and my, and my clients reported. rightfully take credit for that change because this these laws will not survive 
court scrutiny when it gets to court, Richard. They will not. They're obscene. They're overreach. They cause more damage than they protect anyone. How much longer do you think this lockdown can go on without doing irreparable harm to the the economy in Ontario specifically, because that's where we're broadcasting from. I mean, are, or have we already reached that point? No, are we, we beyond were long the point past of- that point, Richard. Trudeau has spent almost two years worth of a budget. He has spent over $500 billion. The annual budget runs between two, 260 and 280 every year. He has spent well over $500 billion. And it's funny that you mentioned when you interviewed me in 2011 on the Bank of Canada, and you recall back then saying, no, we can't use the Bank of Canada to just print money. Where do you think he got the $500 billion for his, for his fascist agenda? He printed Bank it for the Can- Bank of Canada. There you go. We got to take a time out, Rocco. Stay with us. Back with more in a moment. Don't go away. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Rocco Galati stays with us as we continue to discuss uh, his uh, civil action, his lawsuit against various levels of government here in Canada um, with regards to their response to the COVID-19 uh, lockdown. And uh, we're going to go right to the phones. Joanne is in Toronto. Joanne, good morning. Hi, Richard. Um, I'm wondering if you're familiar, Rocco, with uh, Dr. Catherine Horton of Stop000.org, Stop007. It's about the chip. Are you familiar with that? No. Well, on her website, stop007.org, she can show you, and I went to Canadian Tire, I bought a $15 UV flashlight, and I flicked it in my eye, and if it flicks back lime green, you're chipped. Well, I went about the neighborhood checking people's eyes. They're all chipped that I've run into. So it's a great thing to do to find out what is going on. Are you chipped? 15 bucks a Canadian tire. Mm. What's the machine called, sorry? It's just a UV flashlight. Oh, it's just a UV flashlight. You, if you go onto that website, she'll show you the flashlight she bought in Germany or whatever. But uh, she'll show you a picture. It's lying green in your eye. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, she hasn't found anybody yet that isn't chipped. Right. I, you know, as I said, I, I deal with hard evidence, but it's always been a concern to me why this particular test requires a long swab right up the navel cavity, really deep. I mean, never have they tested this way. I mean, usually a, a spit or any other uh, fluid will, will test for a virus, Richard. Why they interesting. Need to put yeah, that's an interesting point. Right up the navel cavity, virtually <laughs> close to the brain, for God's sakes. Why? You know, nanotechnology, a nanochip right now is the size of a, a grain of crushed and black pepper. If you've ever put pepper on your, your, your salad, you know, the, one of those little specks, that's what a nanochip looks like. That, it's that size. You, wouldn't, you would hardly even see it. 
How long before you you see the governments in Canada trying to impose some sort of a uh, um, a COVID uh, passport? Well, they've already uh, they've already done it. That's three months old. We predicted that in our statement of claim. Canada signed on to the original uh, fourteen country for a COVID passport back in June. I'm sorry, July, mid July. We we've already signed on to that, Richard. So once a vaccine is introduced, you won't be able to do what without a vaccine passport? You're not going to be able. You're not going to be able to renew your driver's license, hop a plane. Uh, maybe they might try to pull the same BS, not, not going to any stores and buy food. They will track the masking laws unless there's enough pushback. So you can't do anything that you couldn't, you, uh, just like the masking laws, if you don't have that COVID passport. This is sounding like end of days kind of stuff, Rocco. Oh, it's past end of days. It's past so, end of days. People say, oh, this is, this is, this is like 1984. I say, no, 1984 was a novel. This is real. It's way past 1984. So there's a lot riding on this case, to say the least. Well, there's not a, just a lot riding on the case. There's a lot riding on people standing up and saying, go pound sand. You can't have my human attributes. You cannot dehumanize me. You can't have my constitutional rights. They belong to me. That's what uh, here's a- to do, stand up. You know, civil disobedience, too, Richard, has a long and dignified history in our tradition, right? It started with David Thoreau, who said, I will not pay my poll tax because of the way Native American Indians and black slaves are being treated, right? And then it was adopted by Muhammad Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr. in their struggles, right? There's right. nothing wrong with civil disobedience, standing on your rights, getting ticketed, getting charged, and fighting it in court so that you can indicate to the government you do not have the constitutional right to do what you're doing. What you're doing is illegal. It's extreme, it's obscene, and it's illegal and unconstitutional. And you, uh, because, because, the, because the alternative is what you're seeing in Europe. Italy is ablaze. Italy, Prague, Ireland, you're having riots now. A question from chat. I think you've sort of answered it, but there may be some other things you can add. What can the average Canadian do to, to contribute to this fight, Rocco's cause? Okay, well, so you've they, mentioned they civil can, disobedience. You know, phone, write their MPs, protest, uh, it, whatever you can and feel comfortable with. Everybody has a different comfort zone. And if you, if you want to stay isolated but don't agree with these measures, write the Constitutional Rights Center a check so we can continue with our work in the courts. I mean, I'm gonna be that crass in my pitch, Richard. Do what you can and do what you must. ConstitutionalRightsCenter.ca, ConstitutionalRightsCenter.ca. Yeah, they can, uh, they can donate to, with credit card or they, the, the address is on the website. They can send the check or donate by credit card. Uh, you know, the government banks on Nobody's suing Richard because it takes a hell of a lot to mount a lawsuit. And this is why you don't see lawyers lining up to take this on. In fact, this our lawsuit to, uh, with my clients is the only lawsuit in the world that actually attacks the measures at its base. 
not the not, not the technical procedures of who put in the measures, whether it's the legislature or the executive, but saying these measures are constitutionally flagrant. There is no basis for them, and they gotta go. You're the only. This is the only legal action of its kind in the world. Substantively challenging all the measures. There's a, there is a lawsuit by Oklahoma doctors in Oklahoma against masking. The Canadian Civil Liberties Association did an unsuccessful lawsuit because uh, in Newfoundland, uh, residents not being able to fly in during the COVID. But nobody has said the lockdowns, the emergency is without legal basis. The, the parliaments have been shut down. The measures have no scientific or medical basis, and therefore they're irrational and unjustified and extreme. And they and they substantively breach these charter rights, and they the measures have to go. They got to go back to the drawing board. This is not constitutionally tenable. All other constitutional challenges have been strictly on the basis that the executive, the governors, the ministers can't bring in these these uh, measures. It should be the legislature. Well, that doesn't cure the problem if the legislature passes the measures. How confident are you that the Superior Court of Ontario is actually going to give this a fair hearing? Uh, as confident as I am about winning in the casino. But I've won a lot in the casino. <laughs> you know, right. if you look at the history of my cases, Richard, you know, they all start off by government lawyers screaming that they're frivolous and vexatious. And in fairness to the government lawyers, in 37% of the cases, they may be right. Because I, I, I lose 37% of my cases, not because they're frivolous, but, uh, you know, for different reasons. You know, even the best baseball team can't win every single game. But I, I win, I win 63% of my cases, and all my cases are out there. They're unlikely to ever win, so they say, because in most of my cases, Richard, nobody actually is looking at the evidence in the law. They just engage in the cafe culture of making a decision in the ignorant, vast space of their own vacant mind. You know, Aristotle said it, don't judge the messenger, judge the message. And with me, they're always judging the messenger. Despite my huge win ratio, they always try to portray me as a clown. And that's because of racism. I'm a short, little Italian you know, in their mind, whop. And they just try to make me look like a clown. But they can't, they, they can't. As one federal court judge once said in a case I was arguing on terrorism in response to a Crown attorney saying, oh, Mr. Galati's this and he's that and he's that. And the judge turned on and said, hang on a second. If he's all of that, why does he win so many cases in this court? <laughs> and the Is judge this said, the most important? deal with Sorry. his argument. Don't give me a rundown on your assessment of his personality. Is this the most important case of your life, Rocco? Well, it's, yeah, it, it, by default, yeah. I mean, I can't think of a bigger case, right? This is not national. It's not provincial. It's not sectorial. This is a worldwide, you know. Have you ever seen world leaders line up in agreement on an agenda, Richard? Not like this. No, no. And so why do they criticize my clients and call them conspiracy theorists 
when this is something that's never happened. And, you know, I just want to remind your, your audience that the notion of a conspiracy theory was invented by the CIA to deflect questions about the JFK assassination and to undermine Martin Luther King's civil rights movement. I am not a conspiracy theorist and my clients are not conspiracy theorists. What I am is a very astute, capable, competent conspiracy analyst. Well, conspiracy is also a legal term, right? I mean, oh, there yeah. are conspiracies. I, you know, I used to work in the Department of Justice. You would prosecute drug conspiracies all the time. All a conspiracy is, Richard, is two or more people agreeing to affect the same end. And if that agreement is criminal, it's a criminal conspiracy, which is a felony in the States and an indictable offense in Canada, punishable by 14 years. If that conspiracy is civil and it damages somebody, you can be sued. Conspiracy is a tort. Exactly. So I'm not All right, offended we've got by when they say, oh, you're alleging a conspiracy. And in certain cases, I say, I certainly am. And here's the evidence. Exactly. We've got to take a time out, Rocco. Back with more in a moment. 416-360-0740. Toll free from out of town. 1-866-740-4740. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. All right, let's go right back to the phones. Uh, We have Tony in Oakville on the line. Tony, good morning. Welcome. Yes, good morning. Hi there. Can you hear me? Go ahead. You're on the line with Rocco Galati. Oh, good. Uh, there was a noise there. Um, yes, I'm referring to uh, Rocco Galati's success in the courts, and uh, he was recently involved with the uh, Coma lawsuit, which was to redefine the law with respect to banks. I think specifically... Section 165, brackets 3. Bank of Canada Act, yes, we yeah. mentioned that. Yeah, uh, that the banks can uh, literally uh, write checks and put them against people and collect. Um, that case was dismissed. The judges just said, uh, we, this is a political issue. And they said, for the good of the people. So they kind of put it in that way. Is that something that could happen in this case? Any, anything can happen in the that, that That case had two rounds. On the initial round, the government tried to dismiss it. It was not dismissed. By the time it got back on the second round, it, it, unfortunately for us, or fortunately, it got so much publicity and people were in tune, that the courts realized how big the issue was, and we got the the Supreme Court of Canada to shut the door in our face, wouldn't allow the case to go forward. So can this this case uh, uh, have the same fate? I have my doubts because in this case, people are actually suffering, Tony. People are dying. Okay, the Bank of Canada, they said it was a political issue. It had to do with nothing but money. It was a serious issue, but here people are are dying from the measures themselves, and we can prove that. So one way or the other, the court has to deal with the issues. Thank you for the call. 
How will this trial be conducted? Is this trial by jury or a panel of judges? How will it work? Well, it, it would be judge alone because it's for declaratory relief. And, uh, you know, what, after whatever happens, we go to the Court of Appeal. From there, if we go to the Supreme Court of Canada. All right, back to the YouTube chat. Art by Sid asks, Ontario Municipal Act Regulation 586-06 has specific exclusions of private property. Does this mean that municipalities have no power or authority on private property? Well, on the Section 8, you, you, you can't enter a private property without a search warrant. There's only one exception to that. Hot pursuit is what they call hot pursuit. If you're chasing a bank robber who, who, or a murderer uh, or somebody who shot somebody and, you, and you're the police chasing him and they, they run through a property, the police can run after him in hot pursuit. But in, uh, in other circumstances, you need a judicial warrant. Uh, in Australia, of course, uh, they've em- empowered the police to go into private citizens' homes. Uh, we're seeing this happening in, in New York City as well. Yeah, Australia doesn't have a Bill of Rights, Richard. That's why they're testing all these lead balloons over there, right? And they're doing it to see how the citizens react. Uh, Australia doesn't have an entrenched Supreme Bill of Rights like we do in the States or Canada. Uh, Darkness No More asks, I heard they're trying to pass a bill that will essentially throw out all lawsuits relating to COVID-19. Was this done because of your action? Partly, but it's people are misreading that act. Bill 218 does not throw out lawsuits at large. What it does is in the event that somebody goes into a store and the store is not completely ensuring that everybody's masked, let's say, and somebody gets sick and decides to sue the store owner, what Bill 218 says is if they made their best efforts, they can't be sued. All right. So it doesn't kill our action or it doesn't kill an action which I'm having templates mounted on my website to say that if somebody doesn't respect your exemption, you can sue them. So give us a status report again. Um, again, this this uh, statement of claim was filed back in July. Right. They're going to answer soon. We're bringing an injunction against the schools in a separate lawsuit against the school principals, superintendents, and school boards across Ontario because they've decided to not follow the Ontario binding regulation and make up their own law. So we're going to be suing school principals, superintendents, and the school boards as well. When you say they're making up their own law, what do you mean specifically? Well, they're ignoring the fact that you have an exemption there. The the law, the ministerial guidelines said that junior kindergarten to grade three don't have to mask at all. A lot of the schools are forcing them to mask. Uh, the 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 law says you can invoke an exemption and they're not allowed to ask you why. School principals are demanding medical notes and then they decide whether or not the medical notes are legitimate. Completely renegade criminal acts. We're going to move to also have them charged under the Provincial Offenses Act. They're ignoring the law. See, people, Richard, when they want to make when they don't like the law, they pick and choose. And these little tin pot dictators think they have all the power in the world, right? So they say, well, you're invoking an exemption because you want to try to get around the law. No, the exemption is part of the law, moron. The exemption is part of the law, and if you breach it, you're chargeable just as well as if you refuse uh, to follow the first part of the law for no good reason.
And so these principals and superintendents and school boards are simply enacting their own law, contrary to the provincial law on masking. This separate action is uh, who is the plaintiff? Well, we've got about a hundred parents who are signing up on who are signing on board very soon. Come, and this will be also this this will also be school boards across across Ontario. This will also be filed with the Superior uh, Court of Ontario. Yeah, but we're going to bring a very quick injunction to say, listen, you you simply cannot ignore the provincial law. And All right. also suing for damages. Uh, and, and what are the damages? Can you say? Well, we're going to sue for. Well, we'll have to pick a number. Uh, you know, Richard, there are documented cases now in Ontario where teenagers have committed suicide over the masking laws. Oh dear Lord! Yeah, kids are committing suicide. Unbelievable. All right, let's uh, take one final time out and uh, last call to the phones for Rocco Galati, 416-360-0740, toll free from out of town, 1-866-744-740. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. Just a, a quick programming note coming up uh, next week on The Conspiracy Show. Charlie Robinson, the co-author of The Controlled Demolition of the American Empire, uh, he'll be with me for the full two hours. The following week, Rex Beer, uh, Rex Bear from uh, The Leak Project. I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, Rex's work on YouTube. He's got a huge following. That's Rex Bear, The Leak Project. Uh, for the full two hours on uh, uh, in two weeks. And uh, we're going to try and put together kind of a simulcast on my program and his program at the same time. The uh, the following week after that, Whitley Strieber. Whitley Strieber will be with me. Uh, so there's a look ahead for the next three weeks on The Conspiracy Show. Always uh, check in with strangeplanet.ca. That's the website. And uh, that's how you can keep track of everything. Uh, let's say hi to Melanie. I believe Melanie's here in Toronto. Melanie, good morning. You're on the line with Rocco Galati. Go ahead. Good morning. Uh, I, I wish I had caught the beginning of it, but I'll, I'm sure I can hear it again. Uh, what I wanted to know is, it seems so hard. We're supposed to have the courts are supposed to be the people's court, belonging to the citizens of this country. Yet when you try to get transcripts, or, for example, I wanted them from my, my own trial, um, involving a police officer, I had to sign a document that stated that if I reveal any of the information on the PDF file, I believe, I had to sign a 25, I would be fined $25,000 and I could even go to prison. Now, how these, how can our judicial system, you know, say to us that, you know, everything is open and everything, they want everything to be truthful, and yet they put such constraints on evidence, and especially if there's corruption, let's say, in our government, our institutions, or in policing especially, that, you know, there was a, a, a state of proceedings due to police corruption. How how easy will it be for us to get information that that's uh, given in court by yourself? Well, uh, you know, that case must have been subject to a publication ban. I've always advocated the presence of cameras and a live broadcast of court proceedings. Uh, I've never been one for publication bans, for in-camera hearings. I, I've resisted that my entire legal career. Jeremy Bentham uh, said it best when he said that the only thing that keeps judges honest is publicity. 
All right, Melanie, thank you for that. Uh, let's see. I th well, I think we've uh, answered this one already, but I'll get you to reiterate it because this is important. Uh, you were referring to the voluntary aspect of the uh, of the mask regulations now in Ontario. Sigma six on the YouTube chat asks, can we be legally exempt from wearing masks? simply by expressing verbally that we are exempt, or do we need written notice? Again, you, I think you've answered that, but let's just reiterate, right. Rocco. Regulations are very clear that if you meet one of the exemptions, and they're very broad, because if you, if you need reasonable accommodation under any basis on the Human Rights Code, you're exempt, that once you articulate that you're exempt, they, you do not you're not required to provide any evidence of your exemption. All right. Now I'm anticipating that mo most shop owners won't be aware of that. There may be even some uh, police officers that aren't aware of that. And you may be ticketed or even, you know, forcibly removed. Um, right. And that's why next week uh, the first of my templates are the center's templates are going up. We have a template statement, a claim to sue store owners and police or bylaw officers and the Human Rights Commission if you make a complaint to the Human Rights Commission. If that happens, and the templates will just require you to fill in the blanks as to who you are, the store, and if you and the municipality where the police removed you, and then you make a human rights complaint, and if they do nothing included in that statement of claim is the Human Rights uh, commission. There'll be a very small nominal donation fee for that template. You take that to small claims court and sue them all for $35,000. All right. And again, it's constitutionalrightscenter.ca. Right. And again, center is the Canadian spelling, C-E-N-T-R-E. Right. Constitutionalrightscenter.ca. Right. Uh, D. Silver asks, when and how will this end? <laughs> That's a $60 million question. It all depends on how much pushback the governments get from the population. If, we, if they don't get enough pushback, you're going to be living in a science fiction, futuristic, global dictatorship. Run by the billionaire and corporate oligarchs of the world. And that includes the Chinese, Russian... Indian, European, and North American oligarchs. You can count them, you know. Uh, the list that's been made that's at the high end shows you that about 700 people rule this world if we let them. We've had weekly uh, protests now in, in Toronto uh, every weekend. Right. Uh, how was it? Uh, have you been have you been attending those regularly? How have they been going? I, I, I made I made a thirty minute I had a, a thirty minute speech on October seventeenth. There were at least four thousand at the beginning of the rally. By the end of the rally, there were close to nine thousand. Of course, CBC reported it several hundred. I was there. I can count a crowd. They've been getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And and where are they held? Dundas Square and Queens Park. Every Saturday? Um, virtually every Saturday, yeah. And uh, how, how, how have the police reacted? Have they, uh, have they 
I've only been to one of them, that one, and uh, the police are very cool about them. I, I, uh, I, I make a note that I, I spotted nine uniformed officers standing shoulder to shoulder practically on the Eaton Center side of Young Street across from the square, and only one of them was wearing a mask. Interesting. Yeah. The, um, in Ontario, the, I, I mentioned Belinda Carajalios, uh, now in, sitting in as an independent member of uh, Queen's Park from Cambridge. Randy Hillier, also an independent. Uh, Belinda Carajalios has announced the formation of a new party in Ontario called new, the, new, the New Blue Party of Ontario. How important a, a step do you think that is? Well, I think it's an important and admirable step in terms of uh, signifying. I mean, she took a principled position in voting against the COVID measures. Uh, I mean, to, but to be brutally honest, I don't think slicing a part of the blue cake will do it. I think any new political party that comes up has to be a party that totally rejects the corrupt matrix of our political system. Well, my, my understanding is that that will be part of their platform is uh, anti-corruption. It's not just a, a you know a, a conservative party. It will be uh, fighting corruption and also the uh, the lockdown. Right, and that and that I think is very valuable. So if they're fighting the lockdown, then people should join them. You know, again. Uh, you've been monitoring the uh, the government procurement sites. Uh, just. Let's just go because this was back in the first hour. We talked about this for people who who are just joining us late. What have you found on the uh, the buy and sell dot gc dot ca website with regards to uh, quarantine camps, uh, oh. uh, anti riot yeah. uh, agents, and so forth? Well, we've we, we found massive procurement of uh, riot tear gas. We found uh, procurement of internment facilities. Uh, we found uh, hiring for 2025 of ri riot control officers, and we found for 2030 uh, they want to hire drone neighborhood surveillance monitoring officers. Have any of these uh, points been, were they mentioned in your statement of claim? No, because when we filed it was July, but we're putting them into the affidavit on the injunction. We're, ha we're having a I'm filing an updated, an updated uh, affidavit updating what's happened since July to the present. All right, Rocco, I can't uh, thank you enough for uh, spending the last two hours with us. This has been a real eye opener. I wish you uh, nothing but uh, Godspeed with this with this case, and let's stay in touch and let me know uh, any new developments, and we'll get you back on the program. Right. Thank you very much, Richard. And it's uh, hard to believe nine years fly that fast. I can't believe it either. Uh, and again, it's constitutionalrights.ca. Constitution, sorry, constitutionalrightscenter.ca. That's correct. And, uh, Very much. All right. Thank you, Rocco. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, my thanks to Carlos Gagini and also Ryan White for uh, technical production, live stream production. Back next week with a brand new program. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. And what I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.